Well, Alex, are you uh, excited to get started? Absolutely. I think it's the nun. <laughs> hey, they passed me the sunscreen. <laughs> if Basically. not, if I can leave out. I am Gaius Fan Club number one. Gaius rules. Alpha No and Tataru have been detained on suspicion of aiding heresy. And harlotry. And harlotry. She goes up to the kind of podium there and she glows faintly. Isle of Valwatch. Destroyed by giant mysterious force. I wish I knew anything this church did other than... <laughs> what is this religion? Look ye where the sun doth fall. See, as you're lost, suck my balls. <laughs> and you know who suddenly shows up? It's me! He shows up to immediately get his Ray ass Ozzy, and I come for you with my hammer. Good Sharpie, yeah. <laughs> he is a stupid Sharpie. Look at him. <laughs> um, He's an acai bowl. <laughs> Fuck! Was that a calamity? Oh, maybe a fussy will do it. Valkyrie is like, impudence! Can you, can, can you do it? Impudence! There we go, imp- there we go. I was like, boy, I hope anyone besides Zaf shows up. You wrote down here, um, the guy is talking about this flower for a long time. Is it going to get injured in Badlin being in a wheelchair? I did write that down. (laughs) Got society of passive-aggressive assholes. You know, Emmett Suck was right. It is a paradise for him. Like, like this shark does not appear to be having a great time having legs. Damn, that sucks. He sinks with Amon into the purple stuff, and we move on to the Gatorade, where the Mother Crystal opens. Okay, we arrive at the Mother Crystal. It is- <laughs> you can't give me nothing for that one. That was such a good show. <laughs> Fuck, it's Sunny D, not Gatorade. <laughs> uh, we've been the Storm, bl- storm Buds. No, oh, yeah, I fucked it up. <laughs> you fucked it all up. This episode of Storm Buds, we forge ahead to confront the specters of civilizations long dead and the end singer itself as we close out Endwalker. Welcome one, welcome all to this, the recap finale of Storm Buds, the Final Fantasy XIV 
recap podcast of your dreams. We're not changing that tagline, by the way. It, it, we are changing that tagline. This is going to be the last time we, we say it, and it will now be in your dreams because we will have woken up and uh, after this episode have moved on to a new format that we're very excited about. Um, but before that, this episode is going to cover the finale, the final chapter of Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker. Um, we are so excited and privileged to be able to release this episode, episode 45. It's been a real journey. It's yeah. been a very real journey over the past, I mean, two years, over two years now, I think. I think we started December 2021. It's something like or that. Or 2022. And like, I did not anticipate two years of podcasting ahead of me when you were like, this, hey, do you want to do a Final Fantasy podcast? Yeah, and I sure. was like, sure, I guess. <laughs> So this uh, was intended to be I- I- the final episode forever, um, but as we kept playing, there kept being people listening to the episode that we didn't tell about, <laughs> um, and that has been a real blessing and a real um, motivator to keep going uh, and a real joy. So uh, thank you all for having listened thus far, and there will, be, because of your support, be more. Uh, more exciting things in the future. We will not completely abandon this game afterwards, but we will talk more at the Heavens Awards. So, Let's get uh, to if the you juice. don't know, well, I, well, I want to announce, I want to say the date of the Heavens Awards, awards again. So, if you are uh, planning on attending the Heavens Awards, they are on, I believe, Saturday, January 27th at uh, our usual starting time is what, 2 Central? I think so. Yes. I think that's usually what we do. We'll have an event up in our Discord that you can join by clicking the link in the description and then the other link for the Discord. I got to make sure the link pops still active. I'm pretty sure it is because people are still joining. Um, and yeah, that's a great place to... So we will discuss more about what the future looks like at that awards ceremony. Um, but this is just going to be us talking about uh, the final chapter of Endwalker and reflecting on our journey as a whole in this game. And we're going to be doing that for quite some time. Um, yes, yeah, normally, normally I would rush and be like, oh, maybe we should have this in a reasonable time frame. But it's like, let's at least enjoy. Let's just like calm down and enjoy our last episode together about about this arc, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to luxuriate a little bit. We're going to luxuriate because, as as y'all know, and as we say every episode, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I do want to briefly mention our side quest, though. I'm not even going to ramble into it. I do just want to. Do you want to start or should I start with what we've been distracting ourselves with? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I'll probably have more to say about this in the future at some point. But I've just I finally, after a few years, uh, started on Yakuza Like a Dragon. That is mm. the latest entry in the Yakuza franchise, pending the one coming up pretty soon. Isn't that the turn-based RPG? It's a turn-based RPG one. It's one with a new protagonist. Um, sure. Yeah, it, it's just it's, it's really good so far like you know i first booted up and i was like oh like this looks a little dated in spots like i forgot how janky these games could be and then i got like 45 minutes into it and i was like fuck but this human drama is so compelling he found his baby child in a coin locker like it's just like immediately you (laughs) wow all of uh, forget forget like naughty dog or whatever like when people talk about games that manage to capture things about cinema or cinematic presentation mm-hmm. i think the yakuza games are seriously under discussed in that respect 
Wow. Awesome. So I'll talk more about those in the future, I'm sure. Yes, that's awesome. Um, I have been primarily playing, you know, and I would, I, we've, we've been talking about this. I've been primarily playing a game called Cyberpunk 2077, which as oh, yeah. I was playing, I was remarking that, there are, of that. there are a lot of uh, similarities in between it and Final Fantasy 14 in terms of its topics regarding what, you know, a soul and a body and, you know, when you, uh, the, the connection thereof and what it means, um, when a different body has a different soul and things like that. And like also with the release schedule, having a, a flubbed launch and a, a, a resurgence in popularity with 2.0. And now after FanFest, also both having Night City in it. <laughs> yes. I finally got to watch the trailer for this. I, I looked up some footage of that. It sure is just it's obvious. It's, it's Night City, but much cleaner. I mean, in Night, real Night City has trash everywhere and is... Um, and I will... Spare no expense here. I will not, of course, not spoil anything. But I will say that I finished this game. Um, I really, really, really adored it. The last swath of it has affected me and struck me with grief in a way that no video game has ever done really? since since this weekend. I have been having knots in my stomach thinking about it. I have heard the ending is very good. Um, okay, I need to play and this. I, and with the romance I chose, um, I sort of genuinely started feeling emotions for the person i was in romancing god damn i i was like the you don't have many options for romance there's like one gay character i was like okay when i was first kind of looked up what he looked like or whatever his deal was i was like okay well i'll just see how this plays out and my life for for him (laughs) absolutely and with the with the way it has confronted made me confront my pursuit of happiness here in chicago and what i'm trying to do and especially what i was trying to do maybe with like making it big or making it do things as opposed to at what cost and a lot of those times i was trying to make maybe make it bigger go to comedy shows or whatnot and do all these things at the cost of my own body right um it has made me confront my devastating fear of becoming terminally ill (laughs) in, in a way that i was not ready for um and uh it has also but in a in a really positive way because i haven't eh, good to experience this level of grief without having to actually lost something that's not in a video yes, game that's the point of fiction but it's right like yeah like okay I, I i really need to turn my act around i've been having a fucking slump <laughs> and so it's been good like trying to just like work past that 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 feeling i don't know why i don't i mean i do know why there are certain things in that game that that just strongly happen to mirror the things i've experienced as as a homosexual in chicago searching for certain things um and if you've played it please please talk to me in discord (laughs) the more i talk about it the more it helps so um that's been my side quest and i've been really excited to share that but also kind of nervous because like that sounds incredible no that game's fucking great um we're not we're not doing an episode on it in the future because i can't i don't want to go back (laughs) i haven't even done the dlc yet and i'm like oh i need at least two months or something just (laughs) just to like let that set in but like woof um the 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 positives of that game though gameplay wise are that city is detailed and incredible and it is the closest thing we've had in a game to a real city that exists like it is hypnotizing and enticing and 
over time though very grating i am also i'm like slightly dreading returning to night city because it's fucking dreadful like it's a dreadful place to live that's war-torn and horrible and but my god the the connections that these characters make with each other under such extreme circumstances are so good (laughs) okay i gotta play cyberpunk you got i i I know i'll do it i'll do it you can do it uh and we can talk about it we'll probably have slightly different journeys it's not as i'm not gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna have a different journey than you yeah it's not as it's not as wild as Baldur's gate i'm not i'm not interested in going back in anytime soon i'm like i need to get over it you got time with Baldur's gate i'm like okay i need to go back in and do all so just like i'm comparing those two in my head because you know that was a recent similar things um and I thought that was um, really important to share, given what we're about to talk about with Final Fantasy XIV uh-huh. and Walker. There was a lot. There was just a lot of o- thematic overlap. And Final Fantasy XIV and Walker uh, at the time, I don't think hit me with quite so much grief um, because I didn't feel like and Walker. They really, I mean, later on, spoilers, but they made, really hammered in like, hey, this isn't over yet. Whereas cyberpunk, I'm like, oh my god, the story has come <laughs> to its conclusion. It, it's, 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 <laughs> it's brutal. Um, they do tragedy really, really good. Okay, but yeah, no, this game's not a tragedy. This game is a triumph and a um, and a resounding success. So let's get into our quest by quest recap and feelings and analysis um how about you start us off with the first clump of quests a bold decision and friends gathered sure thing and like this first bit here we can move kind of quick through the, sure. the long and short of it is um the Lapperts have determined Medion's location, which is a place far beyond the moon at the very edge of the universe. Uh, it is referred to as a veritable Ultima Thule, which you've provided the handy definition here, refers to a place beyond the borders of the known world or a highest achievement. So good uh, good double entendre mm-hmm. going on there. Very cool. Yeah. Um, basically, we may come up with a plan. Um, the Lapperts will join forces with the Forum to improve our ship to get it to be able to go out there. Um, the Forum, the refugees, they've all placed their faith in Heidelin and her Chosen, so everyone's cool with us taking the ship to go try and stop this problem instead of it being a shuttle to get people onto the moon. Um, and we're going we're gonna to load everyone up. We're going to go have the final confrontation. Kryle and Tataru will oversee things back at home. Uh, Tataru actually pulls us aside, and she wants to talk with us because uh, she's finally got a new, uh, new set of outfits for us. She's been working on a special just for this. We get access to a shop where we get the... Um, artifact gear. Yes, yeah. the artifact gear. So it's just like the job gear of your, your little thing. And it's, not, it's nice. It's, it's very nice of them to supply that before we actually... It's nice of them to, A, not gatekeep us <laughs> uh, by, by not making us get a job or a crystal from the, the roll quests or whatever. No, very handy. They just give it to us. They just give it to us. There's a sequence here where kind of we wait for our order to get ready and we chat with a few folks who pass by, like uh, Varshan, the um, <laughs> the uh, dragon boy, who Tataru thanks for the allowance of the artisans to help. And Manaline, who is in search of uh, food, and Hancock, who is scheming it, about stuff. He is who he is. Oh, and Biggs and Wedge come by. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're, they give us a big old thumbs up and then kind of waddle on their way. <laughs> um, Tatara is very concerned about us, but we reassure her that, you know, um, or she rather reassures us that she's confident we'll be back. And uh, we have one final meal with the Scions. And we make a toast to victory while eating DiGiorno's and BLT's off the table. And Estrola has a great line here where she says, hey, look, 
Although it has taken many years, we have finally put in motion the wheels of fundamental change. We have fulfilled our role as a symbol of hope, and I dare say it's time to finally bow out. So one way or another, it seems like we're kind of gearing up to be done, at least with sort of being the scions of the seventh dawn, this beacon of sort of like public inspirational hope. Yeah, but we have a universe to save. So we um, go around looking for other people. We find Alice and Grahatia sleeping on a bench and creepily watch them for a while. They wake up and are like, why are you watching us like creep, like a creep? And um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very weird moment. We uh, at the, go to the Levier estate and Alphano has set up a friend date between Astinian and his mom. <laughs> also a bit of a weird moment. But uh, Alphano thanks us for staying by his side through everything. And Astinian um, uh, also uh, thanks Alphano for helping him quell the rage of Nidhogg. Finally, we get a little cutscene at the end here. We cut to a Reaper-transformed Xenos who hops back to the Royal Menagerie to seemingly reminisce on our previous battle. And he remembers Alsei's words to him. He then ponders the nature of his relationship with us, the main character. And uh, at the annex, every scion gives their own cliff note of basically what's happened in the exp- of all the expansions thus far as a sort of rallying cry of like, here's what we've been through, here's where we're going. And we steal our resolve and we make our way for Thomasane. Awesome. That brings us to the quest Unto the Heavens, wherein we teleport back into Labyrinthos and are treated with one final horrible piano song. <laughs> Yes, it makes one last appearance. <laughs> uh, a, a supercharged prelude music goes in, but we gather at the Ark, and it is now retrofitted with the Loperate tech, thanks to the Garland Ironworks. Forshino Christens, Christens the ship. Is it Christen or Christen? Christen. Christens. Forshino Jesus Christens the ship, uh, Ragnarok, based on the ship whose parts we scavenged, as a symbol of the worldwide collaboration that made this journey possible. Um, the speech, it's, he also has a speech about, you know, how this all started because Louis Soi dared to dream of such worldwide collaboration. Um, as I think he pointed that, out, yeah, yeah, maybe they should have, like, named it, like, the SS Louis Soi or something. Yeah, but they call previous starships in Final Fantasy Ragnarok... Um, so there's a bit of legacy that to uphold, I guess. I guess like it's like eh. low, the weight of legacy. Kind like of. It, mm-hmm. there, people would have been like, why didn't they name it the Ragnarok, like the other Final Fantasy ships, if they hadn't? So there's you're screwed either way. Living Way trots in with uh, representatives from each of the tribal peoples that summons primals. Some of the tribal peoples don't summon primals, like dwarves. <laughs> The ones who do. The ones who have primals, they're, they're they here. They announce a plan to transfer the energy of the Mother Crystal into Ragnarok by way of summoning. But that's going to temper everyone, isn't it? Uh, turns out, uh, this there's a nice little moment here. Uh, conveniently, the Asians were just assholes that replaced the idea of their concepts with uh, a certain belief when it comes to summoning, and then that belief and zealotry. So concepts of zealotry, right? So rather than... I don't know if that one-to-one works with me. It's a bit of a retcon, um, and it feels like, okay, wait, so then if you summon things the old way with concepts, does that mean everyone else is everyone else's soul is branded with those concepts <laughs> or like yeah what? it's a little, i don't know it's the, the the fundamentals of how the creation magic and the summoning stuff work look don't worry about it it's it's so we can have the sequence right yeah. what's going to happen here is rather than load the mother crystal into the ship like a big old fuel it's, tank we're going to have them all summon primals and the primals are going to in turn channel all the etheric energy into the ship and basically slingshot it across space yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um so we um, also receive some personal teleportation devices to yoink us back to the Ragnarok at any time, and we get aboard the ship. 
So um, we basically launched. There's a, a a little Star Trek spoof segment here where we tell the ship to engage or whatever. Um, they, there's a bit of banter between the gods, which I believe you mentioned, uh, Susano and well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like like Ruta, the ship, just yeah, the ship launches. Yeah. All the primals then are flying through the air because they've been summoned. Mm-hmm. Um, Susano and uh, is it, I think Garuda. Garuda is annoyed about the whole thing and like thinks this is kind of humiliating. And Susano is like, no, this is great. It's a party. And then I wish we had gotten a few more of them chiming in, but we don't. We don't. They uh, do the big old flashy explosion thing. And we fly into a big glowy orb, and whammo, we're on our way. We are on our way. Um, Living Way has no idea what to, ex- like, lets everyone know, hey, we don't know where we're going to. We're going to the edge of space somewhere we've never seen. Probably not going to sustain life, but we'll figure it out on the ship. We don't know if we'll there's air there. Yeah, we can make it, I guess. Suddenly, uh, just as know? we get there. Do they know that there's no air in space? Like that's like a, like a concept. Like I don't know if like does, does like does the Orzean science have a concept of the vacuum? It's all dynamous. I, guess. I, I guess I don't know. But you can, you can will air. You can wish that there is air as you're dying. <laughs> Suddenly, an alarm starts going off, and Meteon is inside the ship in goth mode. She wants to know why we come, which is she she believes we are being impertinent because all we had to do was wait for her to deliver our ends. Didn't need to go to her doorstep. We kind of rebut, we, we, we try to say, Alice says that we didn't ask for it, and Meteon expresses confusion. She claims that all life ends, so there's no point in, you know, prolonging your suffering, um, because it will amount to nothing. Uh, she says, a quote here, happiness, if you find it, is inevitably lost, stolen away by events beyond your control and that life <laughs> and she feels like life is a cruel accident as opposed to a, a blessing or a gift yes our world like any other is a blemish on the perfect fabric of cold dark silence okay, okay Estrella's had enough of this she's like we're not here to argue with you and she's right we're not um everyone chimes in about how they knew that fear and despair in life like is fills life but it's still worth living anyway i'm like okay i don't think this is going to convince me Dion, but whatever yeah, um yeah. We do say that we're here because of Heidelin's boundless love for mankind, and Median's like, yes, I feel her passion. I know her passion well, for the same passion burned in many a star before yours, suffocated and extinguished now. Very, very, very baller. And then uh, (laughs) suddenly waves of black psychic despair wash over us, sending everyone down to their knees and knocking us all unconscious. Right. Um... Thank, uh, as we approach the bounds of ultimatum where emotions dictate reality, Thancred ends up being the one who stands up, staggers towards her, pulls out his gun blade, and cuts her right in the head. But we fade to black. Actually, we cut to black. We don't even fade. We just like... Yeah, it's out. like cold. It's sharp. And when we come to, she's gone, and so is Thancred. But the ship is stable and landed somewhere, um, and we're landed somewhere with a, a ground and an atmosphere, and reasonable temperature to support life it appears that, to be an m-class was, planet captain that was not there before <laughs> but it looks uh as the narration points out as we get up get out on the ship and step into the wildberry pop tart space the uh narration says that we've landed on a dead star and it is time to tell the final chapter so our next quests a strange new world and unburdened wings this whole sequence between here and the end is so cool. This is so much more 
interesting than I think I was expecting from whatever the final zone was going to be. Like, we're going to go through sort of like three conceptual escalations here in terms of like digging into interesting ideas. And the, the first one, the first one is pretty straightforward. Um, we are in this weird black sort of like planet ruins with weird pink space everywhere. And we're looking for Thancred, but we can't find him anywhere. Um, we, uh, Alice say is like, it feels like waves of despair and anguish, you know, are washing over me as I walk in different parts of the, of this place. And we're like, oh, you mean like when you walk close to the dragons? And Alice says like, what do you mean when I walk close to the dragons? And that's when it becomes clear that there are dragons here, but only, uh, I can see them. <laughs> well, sorry. Yes. Uh, Austinistinian. Oh, well, yes. Uh, it, it, it is. Nobody else pipes up. Estinian does not back us up in public. But he does pull us aside to say, actually, I can see them because my, my loins are vibrating. So I know they're here. Uh, and this must have something to do with the bonds that they share with dragons. But, you know, why? What could that do? Um, and could these dragons be the same or related to or ancestors of the dragons on our planet? We move forward to That's see. That's going to turn out to be literally true. Yeah. We move forward towards the etherite crystal that I guess Thancred also manifested for convenience. Spoilers. <laughs> I guess not really because not really. um because Median's going to just tell us right now. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Median's like, like, hey, like this isn't a real place. It's a memory of a world that cried out for oblivion. Uh, the real one is dead and lifeless. This is like a simulacrum that has been created, kind of similar to Amarat. And mm-hmm. um, the creatures are shadow and shade and perpetuated only by the hold that the spare still has on them. We demand to know where Thancred is and Median tells us at this point, yes, he is here, there, and everywhere. He gave up his ether... When we when he was snuffed out, but his soul cried out uh, a single word of a wish to manipulate Dynamis and give this place form. Um, so Thancred beck- begged us to survive, and thus the 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 area around us gave us some place to survive, um, which is interesting. And she also says that wish proved stronger than the despair that ruled here. It overpowered it, causing this space to be remade. So there was still like this sort of formless um, emotional potential? despair and emotional potential that I'm guessing was already uh, attached to the dragons or was pulled from where when Meteon encountered the dragon, uh, dragon star that was dying. Um, so it had that kind of thing. And then I guess Thancred's wish sort of made that into, into something that it used to be. Yeah, it's sort of, it's interesting, like, it's sort of implied here, and they don't, there's actually, there's like three or four things about Medion that end up getting implied through this whole sort of set of quests, yeah. but not fully answered. It's, what I take away from this almost is like, all of the worlds that she sort of destroyed, she also kind of like, absorbed into herself or she absorbed the idea of them or she absorbed the emotions of them and so what's happening here is Thancred and as we'll see on later on like other people also are then like when they activate different parts of her via sort of like the the most the like emotional catharsis that they produce it like draws different things that she has absorbed and incorporated into herself back out and reinstantiates them basically the um uh, so Medion fucks off at this point and we go <laughs> and we we go and ask the dragon shades what the heck is going on here in this day uh the dragons talk about their war with the machines which reminds us oh yeah omega and midgard summer uh there <laughs> you know that happened which i thought was just like sort of a passing reference i did not realize it was going to literally be <laughs> what we're about to cover but okay so yeah i don't know i don't know what you 
I don't know if you get the same level of enjoyment out of this zone if you hadn't done the Omega raids, but those are still optional. They're overcome. The dragons are here are overcome with despair for their loss of their hatchlings as the very star they lived on became poisonous after their war. Uh, we go and look at the hatchery and maybe one of the eggs is, seems to have hatched, but it ends up being malformed and horrible. So we have to put it down. The dragon shade next to us barely regards us says oh the noise stopped i guess and it paints us a picture of what really happened um so the machines came conquered the star destroyed it and then they left and the dragons were left to fend for themselves with this terrible planet so they they weren't completely brought down by the machines but they were left with like a toxic swamp planet that nothing could live on the some dragons tried to flee to other stars but everyone else was not but everywhere they went they were met with resistance um and estinian before Estinian can explain that there's one star where those dragons live, the bereaved dragon kind of just stops. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's like fades out. He's sort of, done with this. Yeah, I think um, that brings, that us, brings to us to yes, the next a test of, of will and road paid sacrifice. <laughs> That's a great reading of this quest. Good job. Um, so the dragons merely they wish to exit the cycle of conflict and pain. They wish to basically exist in perpetuity in despair, which kind of reminds me of our dragon friend back on um, platform. Armor? No, no, no. Female dragon locked herself oh, in prison. Oh, uh, Tiamat. Tiamat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dragons apparently just naturally comes naturally to them to sort of just give up on stuff for the ten thousand years. But um, so um, also this thing that we're on is not actually a planet. It appears to be just an island of land floating in space, and we're stuck on it. Um, Alphano tries to figure out if we can jump over to like an adjoining island, but when he throws a rock, it then drops on his head from above. So space is not linearly connected, and it's really hard to navigate. Uh, Graha wonders if emotions dictate reality, which is what's going on here. What emotion would it take to conjure a bridge that we could follow? Um, and Ishtola also wonders, like, is it not Medion's emotions exactly that are holding us here, but the emotions of the dragons themselves? Um, like, they have chosen the path of no path forward. Therefore, here in this place, there is no path forward. Um, and it's like, okay, well, then the question is, can we show them that the future is not as bleak as they believe it to be in order to, like, you know, get their spirits back up? Which I'm I'm skeptical of. They've seen some shit. I'm not sure if a pep talk from us is going to exactly, like, you know, turn them around on this. But um, it's like, okay, there's one really powerful dragon. His feelings seem the strongest. Maybe he's the leader. His name is All End. He's nearby where he just gazes at this pool of fetid water for all eternity, I guess. And uh, do you want to talk about how Stinian handles this? Yeah. Well, he steps forward and says, I'll handle this. <laughs> and immediately starts to starts to berate him. You waiting to die like all the others, are you? And yes. Uh, he tell, Stinian says that the dragons that still live on our world, in spite of all the discord and war that was brought to them. Um, but we you have to. But he says that you have to be willing to confront the conflict and to stare the face of your foe and see yourself him and him. Um, it's all about empathy. There is no nobility in your penance. You wallow in self-pity, he says. And after everything we endured, we endured, we will not let you stop us. Um, the dragon roars and gets sucked into being a tiny blackbird, which becomes a big cloud that engulfs Estinian. Um, I'll end keeps ranting about despair, misery, shame, and wanting release from war and from life. Uh, at this point, Estinian gives a little smirk, realizing that this is the emotion that bars the way, this sort of despair, misery, and shame, and then says, the rest is up to you, and the smoke collapses, and the smoke collapses, in which he vanishes, I guess. Anyway, 
uh, in his absence, a great wind sweeps throughout the land. So he is sacrificed. He sacrificed his his ether to become dynamis, become a dynamis wish to remake this place with just a bit of wind to open the way for us. And it's at this point where I'm like, oh, no, we're just going to keep losing people. We're just going to, folks are just going to keep making double sacrifices, like, <laughs> repeatedly, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Alize's favorite thing. We jump into the wind flow at the edge of the island, and it carries us up to another rock. Alphino is processing that Estinian is gone, and that he found a way for us. And Alize reminds him that both Estinian and Thancred continue to fight, which is why we're still here. So... It's not all not all is lost yet. And this is the bit where like we're now entering a second world. And I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like we're gonna be like hopping a little bit between different worlds that Median encountered and getting more context on the thing that I was curious about, which is like what the heck was happening out there. We find a rock here on this desert kind of looking rock, we find some purple stones and inscriptions with the drag which the dragons don't seem to have made, so we're getting clear that there there's clear that there's another civilization here. We find a strange little ghost creature with a little halo, a little goopy ghost. We have never seen anything like this before. They're so weird. They greet us via direct tra- thought transference with an extremely formal tone, and then they pop their heads off in greeting. Their race is called the Ea, and they say uh, to us, though it is not entirely applicable given our present state, you are welcome to use this appellation <laughs> to refer to them <laughs> to their name yes that's so funny and the one we're talking to his name is Kofkoj <laughs> yeah uh-huh. like like if you haven't seen these guys they're like if you took like like a like a like a cartoon halloween ghost and then inflated them with like an air pump so his head got big and round mm. and then put like a weird little halo over him and occasionally the little round head just pops off and floats into space yeah that's uh they are uh, beings of plasma or something i don't know they're they're very strange yeah uh cop has many questions for us um he has several billion questions for us actually um the first one we have bodies which they don't but they used to can we tell him about the five senses they have oh yes yeah, so over 198 billion questions because yeah. you see they lost all records of what their bodies were like and have no recollection of like you know what it means to have a nervous system um Okay, this is actually really interesting. They they could recreate a nervous system scientifically. Like they, they, they could like recreate like the cells and stuff, presumably. But they have no like access to the memories of what the qualia were. So they have no reference point for like if the things that they will feel with their new nervous system match up to what it meant to be have a body before. Which is like this game's all over the place on the question of qualia and like where it resides and if it belongs in the soul or if it belongs in the body or if it belongs anywhere else. I, I don't know that it gives a good answer. But but as a result, these guys are just sort of like um they're basically they want to stop existing, but they don't want to stop existing in their current sort of like purely spiritual form because some of the hardliners think that that would be kind of like an insufficient experience of death so they want to recreate their bodies so that they can inhabit them so that they can feel what death actually feels like when your corporeal body is in the process of dying it's a lot it's really it's really it's really a lot and yashola bargains with them to say hey cool we also have some questions of our own and uh so we just offer to exchange information and they invite us to their home for a customary uh a customary gift for guests um then kofkuch invites us to talk to people who are hanging out idle in their purple rocks and we try to get we go to each of the rock crystals and call out to them with our thoughts some of them respond some of them do not because they are too far gone 
Um, and what kind of the, the contrivance for getting them for them, if they don't care about anything, right? Why would they even come out? Well, cough explains that, um, if in their idleness, they are struck by sudden inspiration. We rise to peruse it to its conclusion. That's why I was present for your arrival. And thus the whole kind of thing that you said about their curiosity and re-inhabiting a body to experience death more organically. And once we get a couple people out of their pods, it brings us to the quest where knowledge leads. After awakening quite a few Aya, they all come to greet us and each other. Their tone is so proper and they all sound exactly the same, making it very hard to distinguish any, any of them because they none of them have bodies. They take way too long to decide that the proper custom is to greet to greet guests is to serve food. Long have they forgotten what it's like to need food, so this shall be novel to them. We follow them so that they can feast on their purest ether, and they take us to what a traditionalist would call a, quote, restaurant, unquote, where we all sit at the apices of a hexagram engraved into the ground in some sort of cool ritual for cool kids. And totally they're normal. like, sit here, gorge yourselves on ether, and we wait for a while, and there's no ether forthcoming. Yeah, we break formation after a bit to inform the Aya that we just don't receive it from lasers. We instead consume food. How quaint to them. We convey our appreciation, though, for the welcome and the gesture, but really we just want to know how and why they need bodies to die. Uh, an Aya named La Lak explains that they tried to transcend their middling lifespans and eliminate sorrow, and they did. They reached the limits of life, knowledge, and joy. They deciphered the laws of creation itself and ex- attempt to explain extant phenomena and naturally use those patterns to predict the future, to prevent future suffering. They were successful in that endeavor uh, and discovered that empirically and objectively that everything is actually, wait, no, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) They have the secret of life, the universe and everything, but they will not share it yet. They beckon us to go to a a place of stone pillars called Elegia, which I also looked up for a definition. It's just like a random place, probably a random Greek town that they picked because it has the word elegy in it. Sure. Anyway, before we can do that, though, Oriange has another one of his famous secret plans that he needs to tell us about, us and Grahatia. So we go sneak away and we meet out west at a spring called the Wellspring of Regret. Everything here is extremely literally named. And um, <laughs> basically, uh, Oriange uh, wanted to, he's like, his theory is look, these are simulacra, and they're so faithfully made that they believe themselves to be living, but we know that they're not. We um like, like it's the stuff I said about earlier, right? Median took them into ourselves and is projecting them into the dynamis as a form of sort of like almost creation magic. Um, Arianche then uses this to make a staggeringly smart conclusion. Median, being capable of using dynamis as a weapon, she has, as she, she, she has so readily demonstrated, may have happened upon just one civilization that wished for death. Uh, the network and the network could and the network of medians could have become so overwhelmed with the desire to end life because she's like an emotional sponge that she then ushered in the final days prematurely for every other star she encountered. Um, she did, in all likelihood, find many stars that were already dead, but also many stars that were not dead. And she just kind of, like, helped along the way because... Yeah. We're going to get into this, but, man, Hermes. D- d- <laughs> fuck. Hermes, he, Hermes fucked up. <laughs> fuck. Mistake. Big mistake. Big mystique. Um... Oh, oh, oh yeah also um all the worlds that she killed then in turn felt despair and anguish at that prospect which really fed the problem only further yeah, yeah, yeah. um Uriange supposes that in order to use dynamis to create as median has a confrontation with death might be one of many working ways to successfully manipulate the land and bring forward 
uh, path. Thus, Uriange calls upon his debt to Graha to keep a capital S secret until the very end. As Graha made him do in Shadowbringers. Remember that shit? I remember that shit. Good. <laughs> Imagine if he didn't. He plans to sacrifice himself to create a way forward, basically. Cool. Well, uh, back at Elegia, uh, the Ea begin to elucidate us on their findings about all extant phenomena and the use of universal truth. Uh, they discover the universe is growing and expanding and predicted that in the end, all the finite energy of the stars will spread too far and too thin. The universe will enter an eternal ice age where no new life is born. This is actually what is going to happen to our universe, by the sure, way. This, this is this is true. Not in n- not before our single star <laughs> takes us all out, so we don't have to worry too much about it. The AI though had they had an existential crisis over this. Yeah, like, because you know, they 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 are capable of surviving <laughs> such a such a such a solar flare. They could ju- they would just be stuck in space forever. That would suck. Absolutely. They tried to scrutinize the conclusion from all angles to avert the everlasting winter, but they deduced that it was inevitable and that their immortal shells were a prison and that they would be forced to watch the end of the universe. Thus, they sought to learn how to die, and they fell into despair. All their effort and knowledge would be forever lost at some point trillions of years in the future. Thus, there's no point in seeking anymore. They beg of us to abandon our quest for knowledge and live a blissful, ignorant life. Growth, effort, and enlightenment are folly. Do not make the mistakes that they have made. Ishtol is not amused by this. She fully admits that she may not understand all of the quote-unquote fancy science that the Aya have mastery of, yeah. but she believes that enlightenment is what makes life worth living. Um, you know, part of living is the joy and the emotion that it brings when knowledge is gained. Like, knowledge, like the pursuit of knowledge is something that is gratifying for itself, not just for its ends, and not even the end of the world can stop her. Uh, the Aya are thrown by this. They just think that we're just too dumb to understand the implications um but they're willing to enlighten us on how wrong we are by turning into big black scary flames uh oh wait um median suddenly shows up plot twist uh we discover that ishtola actually is going to sacrifice herself in order to get this whole thing out of it but then um <laughs> um Arianje is like no i'm getting in on this also we're both sacrificing ourselves at the same time and Ishtola tells us one important thing. She's like, I don't want you to do this, but just so you know, and again, don't do this. But if you had to, you could use Azim's magic in that crystal that you have to bring us all back from the dead at some point, which I want you to know is an option, but I would not advise. And then the two of them, um, you know, step into the black void and turn into blackbirds and vanish and open the way forward for us again. Yes. Yeah, so... Medion hovers above us once more to taunt us. She explains that she's hiding in the big orb above us, and she's noticed that even though civilizations wish for death, and she brought it to them, it would really it was but one a step in the cycle of rebirth, which she thought was getting in the way of those civilizations' true wishes to be unmade and get the death of the heat death of the universe over with. So she's been collecting all the ether and all of the uh, uh, of the memories and emotions of the dead civilizations in this giant vacuum so that they don't get reborn. Instead, she then beckons us to try and reach her before our friends' feelings fade away. So it seems like these civilizations are sort of being drawn to this uh, mass 
gravitationally. And there are more civilizations out there that we don't get to, right? There is like this foresty one that's kind of kind of off to the side that we don't get to. That is what I said. There's like this cool like dome city oh, off yeah, to yeah. the side mm-hmm. that I was hoping we would go to, but we didn't. I was like, I was, when I was playing this, I was like, I don't know. The map is covered up. I don't know where we're going, what we're teleporting to. But um, and I didn't really, couldn't really see from below there were that there were these floating mechanical platforms above us because there was no light. Um, it was really, really cleverly done. Um, so yes, uh, the the two go away and uh, the two scions make their wish and a blue beam off in the distance kind of activates. Okay, that brings us to the quest victory lost and nope now. Onward we go. We enter into a portal of wisdom. And, uh, oh, shit, it's all the hexagon structures and stuff that we saw back on, um, well, we saw a little bit on the dragon planet. We also saw a lot of it in the Omega raids. Yeah, 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 yeah. The monitor worms. Not as many cubes, though, thankfully. Not as many cubes, mostly hexagons. Time to see if there's anyone friendly up here. We meet uh, a, a seemingly a robot named M032 who speaks to us with PlayStation 1 text boxes, which is a nice touch. And they talk... Talks like a robot and welcomes us to Alphatron, home of the Omicrons. What do they do here? Why, prepare for war, of course. They don't currently have a designated target, so we have nothing to fear. However, if we become so designated as it's designated as such, we will be taken into custody or terminated. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. On, uh, back when I played multi-user dungeons, I played an admin, well, admin, I contributed to... Uh, a Squaresoft fan one. This explains so much about and you. My username was Omicron. <laughs> the, the, the intersection of you doing like Squaresoft muds is okay. Coding. <laughs> and then I, uh, and they had a rule um, wherein you could make a character with a Final Fantasy name, but you had to first get to level 100. I never did that. I never was good enough at that game to like have the patience get to level. I just mostly sat and fucked around and then applied to be a, a coder instead and contributor and learned learned some other stuff. I remade I remade a couple of jobs there that aren't good, but they they were helpful in getting some other job. Like I had some ideas. Anyway, the point is. That like it was really interesting to learn about that the the Omicron's name. I was like, yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my old self. <laughs> um, so I thought that was a fun anecdote that's to share. Fun. So that was uh they have some strange behavior, but we're grateful that they're not actively trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. So we ask around town. Is it a town? We ask around the station. We learn of their leader uh, and some of their structure. They have a leader named Sir, aka Stigma One. They seek out self-improvement via combat so, as a race, like the Omega, and uh, like Omega weapon, and also somewhat like the Borg, mm-hmm. of course. Sort of like improve ourselves via perfection via contact with other species. Where the Borg assimilate, they just fight and analyze data. They yes. just they just look at the replays. They don't actually bother to... Sure, fair, fair distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, they, they succeeded in subjugating the homeworld of the dragons, as you mentioned, but the conflict rendered the star barren and the whole endeavor cost more than it gained. And this was notably their last endeavor. Right, so they found they fought their way to the top. The dragons were at the top, and they fought their way there, which is interesting. Um, 
rendezvousing with the others to try to figure out what's soul here. So all we've got left are the twins and Graha mm-hmm. and us. So the party's getting real thin real quick. Yep. And uh, we're trying to figure out, okay, is one of the souls here yearning for oblivion? Like, you know, do we need to like they convince something? They don't seem like it because they're just like, mm, we're just waiting for orders. You know, and once we get those orders, we have a purpose. Yeah, so we're like, okay, well, if the if like the, all these like individuals are just kind of hanging around waiting for war, maybe we need to find their leader. We need to find the command console, which, um, mm-hmm. like you know, is used to talk to the big guy, and it doesn't seem to respond to anything. <laughs> I love this bit so much. Oh. I love this bit here where. Graha's like, I have a thought. I have a plan. I have an insight. You know, um, consider the world that's been created here. It's obviously the home of Omega, whom we defeated with lightning. Let's hit the console with lightning. Alpha knows, like, of course, because it, it relies on lightning or something akin to it as a source of energy. It's just, it's so funny that they don't understand how electricity works. <laughs> like, <laughs> um... <laughs> But it's like, yes, of course, lightning energy. That will make the machines operate. So Graha zaps it with a bolt and it works. This giant blue mechanical eye lights up and um, tells us to address it as sir. Oh, oh my. Okay. It determines that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. It determines that uh, there's nothing new to conquer and is about to shut itself down when Graha interrupts its shutdown and asks, Wait. Why have there been no new orders? That was a terrible Jonathan Bailey. I'm sorry. The extended operations, it says, uh, the, it says the extended operations unit has yet to determine guidelines for future assignments. Why? Why not? Unable to comply. Information unavailable or access restricted. Well, can we talk to sir directly? Nope. Bye. <laughs> what the hell do we do with that? That was nothing. It was just a, it was just a terminal that was a little sassy with us seems like everyone here doesn't actually want to die. They're just kind of standing by waiting for instructions. So what could possibly be barring our path? So we're like, okay, well, can we find any of them that are behaving oddly or any of them like neglecting their duties? It's just, is there anything unusual that we could kind of like latch onto? Yeah. So um, we, we load up the good old sniper interface and yeah. we look for discrepancies in the behavior of the drones, I guess we could call them. Yeah. And then there's one uh, drone kind of wandering around aimlessly and we follow it around to... Not necessarily aimlessly, but erratically. And we mm-hmm. end up following it around through a portal to the base of a weird tree that exists in this completely artificial world. And we meet this drone named M017. We ask the drone, what are you doing at this tree? And it says, I am looking at the tree. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. It's, it, it's it like, brought here from another star. It's got life support hexagons attached to the trunk. We're like, why did you bother to bring a tree here and keep it alive? Um, the answer is great. It says, being foreign matter, protocol requires that we study it. As this task has been completed, the specimen may be discarded. And it's like, but it okay, but it's still here. <laughs> Why haven't you discarded it? Turns out this robot has feelings, possibly. Uh, when, when, he beholds the, when I behold the tree, he says, or it says, I am made to feel as though there is a problem. M-107 has been, ref- M-017 has been reflecting on the whole strength through conquest mission. Why does this tree seek to continue when its entire world is dead and gone? What is it going to conquest? What is its purpose and what is its goal? Well, it's, that certainly doesn't pertain to M-017's duty at all. Um, Graha considers the tree. To endeavor to live even if we must depend on forces beyond our control. One day when this adventure becomes part of our epic, or your epic, do you think I'll be mentioned in it? He turns to us and asks. Alex says, of course. I said, maybe as a footnote. 
He's very flattered and embarrassed, whatever you answer, yes, I think. Yes, pretty much. Never mind that now. We need to track down Sir and figure out the emotion in our way. Hello World is our next quest. This one is in English, but of course it's a reference to... Computer science? Computer I guess. science. <laughs> Uh, back at the base, the twins had no luck looking for any clues, so it looks like M017 is our only lead. The twins think that maybe this unit is part of leadership here, or maybe sub-leadership or something. It's possible that he could even be Sir himself, but it's hard to break through the exterior of a metal robot. Alice has a plan. Uh, hit it with lightning. <laughs> Not only that, if we hit the console with a lot of lightning, in theory that should like interrupt the signal and make the robot kind of like jerk out a little bit maybe and i don't so, know we'll see what happens yeah I, I i don't know look so we go to distract mo17 to distract him i said distract 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 six times half the plans in this game never make any sense so whatever this one's fine yeah we distract him while the twins off in the distance strike the console with lightning and we observe a blue spark coming out of mo17 it's so funny we get the sniper interface core. again but we're zoomed in like two feet from his torso yeah and it's like look for the strange discrepancy and then like off in the distance you see the, the bolt hits like, okay. and then like a second yeah. later he's like ah. <laughs> yeah okay, oh yeah i it. think i spotted it yeah 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 um okay so fine he admits it that Sir, he and Sir are one and the same and that he has to keep it a secret from the other units. Sir is uh, actually what we see in the eye and that actually took over an abandoned unit uh, and wanted to basically experience life. The ancestors under the threat, uh, the ancestors of the Omegas, or Omegas, the Omicrons, under the threat of oppression, used tech to augment their flesh to fight back and eventually conquer, converting their minds to data so as to even render the brain obsolete. They expanded into the galaxy as a matter of preventing further subjugation of their own people, wink, wink, and they became successful as the most powerful creatures in the galaxy. Uh, if that doesn't sound like Garleans to you, nothing does. Once they were at the top, Sir could no longer figure out what to do. Thus, we have found the emotional barrier that was blocking us from ascending. Aha! There it is. They're, they have sort of a despair, a hopelessness, and uh, whatever. Depression. Graha asks, hey, why not use your knowledge to find a new purpose? Uh, but as it turns out, they only converted what was necessary for their previous mission, aka conquest, into their new shells and bodies. Bodies, quote, into their new uh, forms, and what they were before as what they were before as individuals was lost to circuitry and Which, data. Okay, so like, but then do they have souls oh, or do they not have souls? We can't get into this. The whole soul mind body thing uh, also inconsistent here. Oh, Take it God. at face value. Just my like gut. It's very. It's it's very. I mean, what is a soul? We don't know what a soul is either. So how is Final Fantasy fourteen going to come to a conclusion? Like they, they maybe have like minds but no souls is the impression I get. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're almost done with these guys. Yeah. Um, Graha gets that look in his eyes. Yeah, he, Graha gets that look. He makes us promise that this, our adventure will not end. Um, and it's like, God, not again, man. <laughs> Alice also increasingly fed up with this, I think. Well, she has repeatedly over the course of the expansion said, hey, please, to us, though, no heroic sacrifice. We need you, but also you need us. And we're here for you. Um, and so... Turns out everyone else is the one making the heroic sacrifice <laughs> for us instead. I, I was really, at this point, I was like 50-50. Like, look, I had not really seen any Dawn Trail stuff or anything. Mm -hmm. So like at this point, I'm like, okay, they're killing a lot of people. Either we're getting them all back at the end, or they really are just like finishing off the main cast. <laughs> 
Welcome to So Were We All. <laughs> we, we were not sure. We were really not sure about it. Um, it's, it's good. It's fucking great. But yes, um, he then also tells us about all the dates he wants to go on with us, on with us it's in the really, future. It's, it's really, really sweet. Cute. It's really sweet. Um, it's an absolute mega gut punch, though. And then we fist bump, and he turns to Sir with a hypothetical... How do we know we're the same person each day? Kind it's of question. Shippathesius, basically. He's like, look, yeah. we, we constantly change. Bits of us go away and bits of us are added. And like, mm. but, and like, but there's some kind of continuity. Um, and even memories are, of course, foggy at best. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, and augmented. Um, it's like, hey, look, I made my body into a giant crystal tower once. Like, bodies <laughs> and minds can interact in these. And this body is the second ways. one. Yeah. Um, so what matters is the present and the connections we currently experience. Uh, and what came before doesn't really, it's not that it doesn't matter, but like, can't do anything about it. I, I, I will say, I will say here, it's a good speech from Graha. I don't think he understands the problem the robots have exactly. Cause the robot quite understandably is like, that does not help me. So he's yeah. like, so he is like, okay, I guess I got to like show you by sacrificing myself to create this emotional swell or whatever. But they, they do kind of talk past each other for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. The Graha offers a, yeah, he offers his hand and he says something to the tale of something to the tune of, let me tell you a tale of a man who realized his grandest dreams and awakened to a grander reality. He succumbs to the wave of Dynamis as the, as Sir turns into a meteon and makes a wish for us to move forward. A bridge made of crystal that ascends ever closer to Meteon's lair. Man, the bridge of crystal got me. Like that was a bit where I was like, oh, fuck. Like seeing like his particular blue shade of crystal, like growing up into the into the sky or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I don't like this. Alice is furiously sobbing at, at his sacrifice. Because as we know, she's not a fan of all these and it's 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 taking her toll on her. But um, it's it's we have to forge ahead, I guess. As the next quest, Forge Ahead takes us. Yeah, one last thing here really quick also. Yeah. This is the point at which it, it did occur to me again that, like, all of our friends aren't, like, merging their emotional states with these actual beings. No. They're merging them with Medeon. They're, like, this, all of this are, like, all these, like, projections out of Medeon's, like, aggregate emotional mm-hmm. dynamic sort of, like, whatever she has going well, on. Well, they're, they're overpowering Medeon. Yes. Better, okay, okay, yeah. They're they're yeah they're overpowering Meteon and with their desires are creating a, fa- a way forward where Meteon wants to bar our path so they're just breaking through these barricades of empty dynamis yes. basically mm-hmm. anyway forge ahead new teleporter takes us up further we continue ascending our way up um, Alphano and Alice we get a good little co- series of conversational points with them here as they uh, really start to first reckon with the fact that like everyone else is pretty much gone. Um, um, that all these worlds around us were have been replicated in their moments of death. Uh, that all the struggle and failure that we have had to fight through to reach this point. Um, you know, we did all of that because we believed in each other, and and ultimately that they'll support me no matter what. Which hey, I never uh, doubted you guys, but nice to have it reiterated. Yeah, one thing we've neglected to mention is that the music in this zone has been gradually becoming more and more in focus. So at yes. first there was a pretty. Uh, low and high. It was kind of a radio filter, we'll call it, kind of an elastic band over a kind of a, a certain range of noise and and distortion that was coming through in the dragon world. Then, as we were talking with the Aya, the piano and the the, the Estinian manifested a, like a piano and a tambourine or something. <laughs> and now, uh, after we've dealt with the Omicron, the vocals have come in and the song has become sort of in full effect. And this is the first. Second time 
that there's been well this is the first time there's been just decipherable lyrics in english mm-hmm. um which they chose for of course both english and japanese get versions of the game um since since the rock taker great hook great wood <laughs> so we won't, but we won't really count that because <laughs> that was just sort of a that was sort of a fantasy language but anyway uh, it's a stark contrast to of course every other zone in the game that hasn't done anything like this at all i don't think right no not, not that i've heard um, and there's certainly no day or night cycle here it's just always this <laughs> it's always twilight it's always, it's always this um yes that brings us to the quest you're not alone um we are but one quest away we have this quest and the next quest and we're done we're getting to the end mm-hmm. yep but these are some pretty big quests so, so we decide that we're gonna search no matter what Medion says and we find basically nothing except the discarded remnants of pe- of a people long gone it's yeah. very unnerving yeah Medion says that like this is how she found this world right is it, it was dead when she got there everyone was gone it's just abandoned it's a husk um and she's like look none remain to speak for the dead this reminded me of the novel of a novel, a epistolary novel I had to read in college for like a course whose theme it was like a theme just happened to be themed epistolary. So we read shit like The Color Purple and Dracula, and it was an interesting through line. Um, but one book we read was called His Master's Voice mm. by Stanislav Lem. Have you? Yeah, heard uh, that? I, I know Lem. I don't know the I don't know that one. So this there's a group of scientists that. Um, Sounds like a Lem novel. Uh, yeah, a group of scientists that encounter an alien message and they are trying to decipher it and the goal like the the sort of the takeaways of this are like what the fuck (laughs) how would we even begin how would we even begin to decipher some sort of alien frequency or anything like this very outer wilds i guess because but like we have no frame of reference to for, for anything and every every mathematical or empirical truth turns out to be bound to language Right. Because we can't if we don't have any sort of language to communicate it, all of the mathematical and empirical truths of the universe are unobservable to us as people, as human beings specifically. And this reminded me of that because like, oh, you encounter an alien world um, with things that look kind of like chairs and look kind of like a bar, but but are different in a, a lot of different ways. And there's no one to explain it. And there's no way to decipher this language. Or anything, and I was like, "Huh, yeah, we're kind of at an impasse here without any sort of like we've had the crutch of being able to communicate directly th- through dynamis with shades of people that existed, but this place doesn't have that." Um, there's so, no like there's, there's no layer of mediation. That's a really good pull. Yeah. So Alfino uh, realizes this as well. He says, "Okay, since we don't have this, we have only one place to turn, and that is towards Meteon herself." <laughs> um. But anyway, we, we, we regroup before we even kind of confront Medion and Alfino. Uh, and you have a note here that says, wait, is Alfino going to go too?" he's really struggling with this and he cannot bear the thought of us carrying the, the two of us carrying this final moment, momentous burden without him. And then Alice says, why suggest such a thing? Why must he be the one we must fight alone more than a hero? He's our dear friend, implying that she's going with him. Alfino has an idea. Given the nature of this realm, he says, it may be possible to do more than unbar our friend's path. We may also pave him a new one. For instance, a path where he finds happiness at journey's end. And that sparks Ali say to grab him by the hand and drag him off to confront Medion. And the twins, um, it, it looks as if the twins can't wait to die. 
It looks as yeah, like they are. I mean, they're they're ready. They're doing this. Their time has come. Mm-hmm. They can believe in a happy ending for us. And yes. so, so yeah, they um they just get the plan decided and just do it. They approach Medion and uh confront her with, "Yep, you're here. So we have to talk to you. You're the one barring our path." And um, she says, "Yeah, I sought out a star of promise and found it dead, just like it, just like us." They were stricken by it. The thought of bearing the terrible tidings to Hermes was anguish. And she she shared it with her sisters who were making similar discoveries in the, the process, inadvertently ushering other worlds to their ends. Knowing the horrors you know, anyone would feel the same, she says. They would fear what lies ahead and struggle to move forward. Oh, no, that was Alphinos. Yeah, Alphinos is that. You got it. You got it. You got to I got to write Alfinos. down who said stuff. Yes. <laughs> Medion's response is fear. I had forgotten such a thing existed. And Alphinos says, hey, if you can still remember fear, then you can still face and overcome your fear. Mm-hmm. Hey, it seems like this might actually work. No. No. <laughs> Why would I bother with such an insignificant emotion? If I, if the despair I command is as a raging river, then fear is just a trickling stream. She begins mm-hmm. doing that creepy thing where, like, she pops up behind people to talk at them while every time the camera cuts. And uh, as she talks about using dynamis to hasten the process, the AI discovered of rendering the universe sterile and dead. So she's going to accelerate the heat death of the universe. Sweet. Ali say won't let the fear angle go. I know it well, that sense of defeat, she says. But as many times as we've fallen down, we've learned to pick ourselves up and carry on. We take each other's hand, turn sorrow into strength, and their uh, Alfino finishes her thought even our failures are part of what makes us stronger they rise and fall and rise again and the black raven comes and they bid us to take the next step and all the rest after that and then they're gone fuck it's just us just us up to the dead sun (laughs) we lift our head you know the weight uh, the burden of our journey weighing heavy on our shoulders and we we uh, turn our heads up towards the dead sun, but it cuts away before we can do anything. I did not expect I did not expect us to randomly at this point cut back to old Charlie. And <laughs> Everyone is staring up at the sky, waiting for anything, any sign. Um, yeah, my God, can you imagine being there while all this is happening, just being like, it's been like four and a half hours. Oh my God, is the planet gonna blow up? I soon? couldn't. Is I it- couldn't get anything done. I would be paralyzed. Oh, oh yeah, you're saying you have trouble at work. You're saying, like, hey, <laughs> can, we, can we can we push the sprint off a bit? Like. <laughs> Suddenly, the customs official of all people <laughs> from from the start of the, the the entire expansion rushes up to tell us that an associates of the science have arrived on boat. We don't see who it is, but at this point, I was like, oh, shit, right, Xenos. How was he going to get involved in any yeah, of you this? You clocked this immediately. Most people didn't. <laughs> I, who was left? They're all up there, and they're all dead. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of uh, there's a lot of reaction videos out there on this. I mean, I think in the back of my head, I had had like, okay, Zeno's figure prominently in the trailer, yeah. and we've barely gotten anything with him. He hasn't done anything so far. So he's always been dancing. We've been dancing around this guy mm-hmm. for a long time, and we just two quests ago or whatever before we started this saw him go to the thing. So yeah, back on the Dead Star, a series of black shades start to appear before us. And we are, we find ourselves unable to pick our feet up off the ground very much. <laughs> yes, we are slowed to a walk, a crawl even. We're sort of as we, trudging forward. Yep. As we approach the end, we walk towards the dead star. And the voices of our friends and companions come from back on the world to give us encouragement. In order, we hear Ardbert. Let's see if I have this memorized. Ardbert or Chiffant. Doing great. Uh, I know it's Ardbert or Chiffant. I don't think it's the world leaders yet. Is it? 
It might be the world leader. Arndra Orshafant. Wait, should I pull Emmerich? this up? Here, hold on a sec. Let me pull this, me pull this up. Well, I, can, I think I can name all of them. I can name all of them. Maybe not in order, but Arbert Orshafant, Emmerich, Nanamo, Kanesena. I think Nanamo is right after Orshafant. And then it's Kanesena, and then Merlvib, maybe then Emmerich, Hien, um, Papalimo, uh, Reen, Becklug, Midgard Sormer. There's one on the. Oh, um, Edmond, Orshafant's dad. Um, who was probably included because his voice actor had passed just before Endwalker came out. Um, and also just before Final Fantasy 16 had come out. Uh, so that was a nice tribute to him. So uh, where was I? Midgard Sormer, Minfilia, and then Ardbert again. Um, I believe those are all of them. I don't think I got the order right. I have the list. Do you want to try, do you want okay, to try, let's try it in order? Yep. So Ardbert, uh-huh. Orshafant, Nanamo. Not Nanamo. Okay, it's not, it's not Emmerich. Let me think. Moonbreeder doesn't have one. Yazelle doesn't have one, which I'm pissed about. Um, let me think. A Realm Reborn. Not Papalimo. He's at the base of the stairs. This is fun. Um, is it Merlvib first? Merlvib. Okay. Okay. It's Merlvib first. So Merlvib, then Nanamo. No, Merlvib, Kanesena, Nanamo. What the fuck? Who, it has to be weird. So Arbor maybe, this, maybe Mer- this order is wrong, but I am. See- I mean, I no, am hold seeing- on, hold on. Yeah, well, let me. So let's 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 work through it. Merlvib, um, Emmerich, okay, Nanamo, Kanesena, Raban. No, Nanamo Raban, Kanesena. I don't think I mentioned Raban in my previous recap. Kanesena, then Papalimo. No, then he and Papalimo, um, Becklug. Oh, Edmond, Becklug, Reen. Minfilia, Midgard Sormer. Midgard Sormer, then Minfilia? Okay. Midgard Sormer, then Midfilia. You're not, you're just, he's, by the way, he's shaking his head. Yes, yeah, right. I'm not On an audio format. So that's fun. I hope that's fun for you all. But Midgard Sormer, then Minfilia, then Ardbert again. Yes, that is a list I have. Okay. And it's close enough to the one that you came up with that I think it's probably right. Yeah, whatever. Like, it's, it's, the point is those get pretty well. I mean, memory's not perfect. We all know it's the whole thing, but they get those get pretty well etched into your soul. And when you're doing New Game Plus and you hear them again, you're like, oh. <laughs> and I was doing New Game Plus with you, and I had to be like, keep it together. Interesting. Keep it together. <laughs> That's an interesting line. It's really oh, like when you hit all the lines yeah. for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting line in context. The one that's really worth pointing out, though, is that the end when Ardbert says, let's finish this, the first time he says that is when he's fighting us. <laughs> when we're fighting, yeah, you when pointed we're, that out. Yeah, he's fighting us, and now it's like, let's finish this. He's joined with us, and we're going to fight Medion together, which is a cool turnabout. And we approach the top of the uh, glowing crystalline st- staircase on a planet just, on a, on a, on a platform just beneath the dark star above um and that takes us to not to endwalker well, yet but we have one final cutscene here once yes. we talk to Medion, because uh Medion, she's like well you made it here how are you gonna get up there nothing you can do um you know resignation and acceptance reign in this place there is no way for you to actually reach the the core of all of this uh energy and everything 
For this is the place of those whose dreams were unfulfilled, whose prayers were unheard, whose labors were unrewarded, and hope cannot deliver you unto hopelessness. Our refuge is beyond you. I, at this point, actually thought maybe the thing here was we were going to have to essentially embrace hopelessness and then rediscover hope once we had reached her realm. But uh, something quite a little bit different happens, which is... Um, we, instead, we pull out the Stone of Azem and recall what Yishtola told us. And we're like, well, she told us not to summon her back to life. But you know who we could bring back? Mm-hmm. I admittedly, I did not. So, yeah, we hear we hear all these voices in our head, right? We're, we're looking at this crystal and we're racking our memories about who we could possibly summon back to help us out. Or who or what we could possibly summon back. And it lands on a voice line. Do not squander it, this legacy I leave you. Um and we bring up our heads, say, you get to choose a line of your saying. You know. I said, I will not forsake our cause. Sure, why not? And then a golden summoning ring pops into existence, and Hitler Deus and Emmett Selk and pop only, out. Yeah, only two, only two of the duty finder people come in. Yep. We, we get a, a beautiful, uh, dramatic shot of the, their masks on their chest as they're summoned. I recognize and, them this and time. And then, without missing, skipping a beat, Emmett Selk's like, God damn it! So cranky. Oh, uh, why am I here? Oh, what are you doing? No, that's not what he says. He's like, I'm the, he's, he, I, I think I have this line down, but he says, I bid them to remember, but it was I who had forgotten. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Fully yeah, that... made of me, Hermes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got the whole picture in his head now. He's like, oh, I understand the whole plot of the last 6,000 years, I guess. Damn it. I <laughs> Stupid Kairos. Hithlodeus has found the whole thing a gripping tale. Unbreakable bonds and noble sacrifices and levity to counterbalance the pathos. Yeah, it's the a, writers a good just story. giving themselves a pat on the back for, for mm-hmm. you know, doing a pretty good job with a t- 10-year-old story. Medion is genuinely thrown by this. I, she did not, I think, expect this or know what to do with it. Um, then, like, sh- but they're not here to defeat her. They're just to kind of settle, here to settle a score. Then Emmett Silk starts addressing Vena, but he's almost looking at the camera, um, and he's, he's like, uh, like down. the camera's looking up at him, and he's looking down slightly past the camera, as if he, he's kind of looking at the underworld. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. That's, what I, that's how I interpret it. Mm-hmm. But like, but he's like, look, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do the damn thing. Medion is not going to stop us here. And so the two of them, it's time for them to draw on their creation magics and make for us a new path uh, forward. Um, we must simply envision that which rejects the claim that you cannot attain your goal, which is not that simple, I don't think. That's a fairly abstract concept to try and put a concrete formation to. Yeah. But um, they figured out by snapping their fingers, and the whole space bursts with um, flowers, bursts with uh, Alpha yeah, with the Alpha flowers. It does, I think, the most Final Fantasy-ass Final Fantasy thing you can do. Um, similar to maybe like the opening of Final Fantasy VIII, where it kind of swoops in as flowers bloom and petals fly into the air. Um, while... Uh, all around the platform, uh, a, a brilliant rainbow of colors and light uh, illuminates this this goth bird from <laughs> from beneath, and the kind of the dynamis theme starts to play. A light piano melody starts to play, and the voice of Hermes chimes in in the space that we're in, addressing Medion, and it's very addressing Medion. The 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 moment he talked about with Medion up on the other platform in Elpis. When they sent them, when he sent them off, says, "No, I did not give you. I could not give you form so loath as I to bind another being. Um, a flower, and we'll give upon your return. I will gift you a flower to represent kind of the, the the feelings I have for you. And those feelings are coming through. 
strong without without anyone to without anyone to having to die to to make them happen right they are only they are just sort of like a neutral arbiter in this case of the ambient emotion and the ambient emotion is brilliant and complicated and definitely not dark purple like she wants it to be not just despair there's more going on here than just despair <laughs> there is a lot happening now um thanks to the efforts of all of us in reaching out towards the omicron the ea and the the dragons um, this realm is not devoid of hope, and no more can Meteon deny this power. And in case the practicality is lost upon us, our comrades no longer need fight their fight, so we may call them to our side, as yes. Azem is supposed to do. We can bring everyone back because their willpower is no longer required to maintain the atmosphere. Yes, we call them back with the magic. Everyone's back, thank God. And the, the, the blessing of Hydaelyn fades from the crystal, and her voice echoes in our head. Uh, may you ever walk in the light, she says. Very, very beautiful. Uh, we'll, we'll miss you, Mom. <laughs> um, and once that is done, everyone gets their turn to say an anime line. We invite Medion to come with us. It's over. Like, we now, the, the jig is up. But from above, the black sun begins crackling and shattering. And uh, the, the Medion crumples to her knees and says, in in her voice, can you hear me? Just like she did back in Elpis. She talks about the voices within and how they're all, all within the star are still all crying in pain, wailing in sorrow and hurting, and that her sisters need to be ended, or need their song of oblivion ended. She bids, the, uh, then then uh, as the, the star cracks open, a big blue dripping uh, nipple, for lack of a better word. Basically. <laughs> big, a big old drop kind of comes down from the, the 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 husk of a the star, and Emmet Selk and Thladeus begin to make their en- uh, exit. We're very sad to see them go, but they really don't want to live in this future that they sought because they still believe that their past is the perfection and would ra- they would rather just die and reincarnate, like because they also believe their duty is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're they're really I think properly walking off the stage at this point. Yes. Um, um, uh, Emmett Selk does also, I think, Emmett Selk's the one who tells us about all the awesome stuff waiting we for have us yet back to do. on... Which is really helpful. I wish I had that in Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there's so many, there's new continents you can find out. There's all these mysteries. He tells us we don't know the true identities of the Twelve, which, is that referring to the Twelve Gods? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, that's like, the Twelve. Wh- why do we keep... <laughs> are we going to finally do anything with that pantheon well, that's of gods? For, that's for you to discover. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it is our duty as bearer of Adam's crystal to discover it. This is a weirdly sexual sentence, he says. And he goes like, I considered it as much as least. I was like, was I, was Asim exploring your body? <laughs> like, was Asim going Emmett Selk's belunking or something? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> That's possible. And that brings us to and Walker. It was Greek paradise. But yes, that is uh, now. Now we are here with the final quest. We were this dungeon is the dead ends, and I have prepared for you a little something under your seat. Under uh, under my seat? Yeah, if you look there, it's a, it's a box and. It... Hey, it's me. Uh, he was he, he was in the box. It's dungeon recap goblin. Why were you in the? Okay, okay hey, good dungeon to have, recap goblin. Good back. to have you back. We glad we booked you. Yeah, it w- wouldn't be the same, you know, without dungeon recap goblin. That's right. I'm here for my rand. I got, I got your rand right here, buddy. Okay. 
Oh, wow, you got, you brought it, you brought it in cash. Normally it's just direct deposit, but okay, oh, thanks. V- Venmo suspended my account for, so we're gonna be just paying in cash from now on. Holy shit! Holy shit! All right, the debt ends, so we are going into the nipple. If I'm not mistaken, the dead ends is very cool. This is one of the coolest dungeons this, in this entire game. We're taking a tour of all the, all the. All the ding, all the ding, the, the civilization that Meteon killed. But first, we got we, we get a voiceover. We follow the bluebird through the dungeons and we get voiceovers of what happened. And we meet the Grebulovs, and they were taken out by disease. Oh, that sucks. But we fight the first boss, Caustic Grebulov. This bitch is hard the first time you do it. This was, this was, it's all these fights are more challenging. Actually, the first two fights are pretty challenging. The third one's pretty easy. Yeah. But <laughs> this first guy drops a bunch of black goo everywhere with wind, and then the AoEs change, and you gotta run away from it. This hit me like three times. It's the hard. had to revive me over and over. The next zone is a, is a war-torn zone. Yeah. Those people are fighting. They're fighting to keep the peace. <laughs> Quite ironic, don't you think? They're big, old, yeah. They got big old tanks and Gatling guns and missile launchers and everything everywhere. Uh, the biggest tank of all, the biggest war machine of all, is called Peacekeeper. We blow it up, and everyone on the planet's dead except for one dude who's like, "I did it. I brought the peace. Now what?" <laughs> this sucks. Man, I'm such a sucker for this shit. I'm always in for this kind of like weird sci-fi multi-planet mishmash re- reflections on humanity through the lens of alternate civilization shit. I, I eat yeah, this me shit too. up. Give me this a, is great. Give me a whole game of this, please. This is great. Well, uh, you get one whole dungeon of it. That's right. And then the, f- the final zone is a big golden paradise with people that are like reverse no faces from spirited away. <laughs> and they... They worship a deathbringer called Rala, who's a big golden creepy ass griffin who bounces around with pretty butterflies and shit. That's pretty freaking cool. It was pretty freaking cool. The music is uh well, it's a it's a nice variation on the the sort of Ultima Thule thing. It's pretty much one of the best dungeons in the whole game, and they they, they pulled out none of the stops, all the stops. I want to stops. I want to do this one over and over. I'm like, I want to queue up you and be should, like, because there's a minion that only you can get from it. And you can't get it from the auction house. What, what's the minion? It's it's a Medion. It's, it's a Starbird. A... <laughs> wow, that was fast. That was actually pretty quick today. We're, we're in and out. I've been practicing in my absence. I, I, reali- you know, I realized when you brought on other contractors that I could be doing a better job. It flows better. You know, you've got a bit more confidence to it. You, the delivery is, is, is solid. Well, I guess I won't be back. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it has it's been a pleasure, Dungeon Goblin. Dungeon Recap Goblin. Do you want to play other games with dungeons in them? I I don't know if they'll have the same sort of need for a dungeon recap. Go- like if we play Control and everything is a dungeon. That's true. <laughs> Control's kind of one <laughs> big dungeon. I don't know if we can really spare all the rant. Yeah, that, that's fine. Does Baldur's Gate three have dungeons? I know it yes. has dragons. We're not fucking playing Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> it's too much. Anyway. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dungeon Recap Goblin. Um, uh, you're, you have your rand, and we, we've really enjoyed working with you. And we will be in touch if we, you know, if we find ourselves back in the, the realm of Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, no, 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 let me know. Let me know. All right. Godspeed, you little man. All right. Anyway, um, after we uh, dungeon, Medion oh, is. I'm gonna miss quite, him. Yeah, I'm gonna miss him too. And his girlfriend. She was cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she was cool. 
Anyway, after the dungeon, Medion's berating us out of frustration. She's like, why won't you just stop? What do I need to do? Alice says, again, with the, we are held up by those around us. And Medion says, yeah, but there will always be more to spare. Um, and she turns into a giant black bird tornado that turns into black goop that turns into a big, scary goth angel with no body really just like a head and wings it's a head and wings and space underneath it and i will say uh i will share the anecdote here that i was spoiled on this you were spoiled <laughs> i on was this? spoiled on Singer's final form which is a shame but i was like oh so i wasn't i didn't know if it was like a super cool reveal or not because i was already like well i've already seen this because like sp- somebody uploaded something onto youtube that was put into my feed that I, I mean, I was not subscribed to, but they were like, this is the, the last boss music. And they didn't put a spoiler on the thing. And I was like, oh, oh that's okay, annoying. great. Cool. Great. Thanks. I mean, did they spoil the bit where she throws planets at you? Well, no, but she, I mean, she throws final planets Fan- at you. I, I can't think of a, I can't think of a Final Fantasy boss that doesn't throw planets at you. <laughs> I, I suppose. But, but I'm glad they she did She throws it. a lot of them. Yeah. She keeps doing that. She throws planets at all of our scions, taking them out one by one. And just as she is about to throw the biggest planet of despair, made it made entirely of despair at all of them as they're floating in, getting sucked into a black hole to their doom, we pull out a, we pull out a certain Chekhov's safety teleporter button, and we let it go into into the rift as we press the button, and all of our compatriots uh, teleporter activate. Teleporters activate on their persons, and they all get sent back to the ship. Yes. While we are alone with Meteon. Yes. There is actually, there's a thing here also. Meteon says something. She says, it's like, we die in pain. We die in suffering. Who are you to live? Who are you to hope? And that touches on, it's it's another one of those little angles with Meteon that I find really interesting that I wish had gotten fleshed out a bit more, which is that what's going on here is not even necessarily just sort of like despair and hopelessness, but almost like an undercurrent of like resentment for those Mm. who are not similarly consumed and sort of like a desire to, 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 to bring all of those who have the audacity to still feel hope to the same sort of place of depression that she finds herself in right and, and that is also with, without that resentment the very end wouldn't make sense right? yes because she has to still at some at, at some level in her core at the end singer or its core their core has to understand what those feelings are in order to resent them yes exactly Anyway, all of our friends um, have been teleported back to the ship. Medion continues to taunt us, but it's all pretty rote stuff at this point about despair and suffering and mm-hmm. etc. It was like, okay, we, we get it. Um, but uh, although she does highlight again that the pain of struggling over and over to fulfill Hermes's mission and the release that came with just giving up on it was also something really important that happened to her. Yes. Um, and then... And then there's some kind of weird battering at the wall of reality mm-hmm. as, like, the sky cracks open and fucking Xenos in the form of Shinryu bursts in and he's here to fight me. And <laughs> this is this is a bit where I lost it on the VOD. Like, we were talking about, like, being pretty quiet and sort of just, like, reserved in our reactions during the actual recording that we yeah. may or may not put up of this. But the, the bit where Xenos bursts in, that's where I went... <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I did record the, the final quest, Ed Walker. Um, as, and we were kind of recording it as we were talking with people in Discord to, 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 queue up, to queue up for the final boss. But yes, this part, 
Alex definitely was vocal about. He wants to fight us, and like, and he almost views the whole Medion and Singer thing as like kind of like contemptuously. He's like, "Oh, are, are you getting hung up on like despair? I thought you'd be above something so banal as that. Like, let's just deal with Medion, and then we can fight." So. So I guess we're teaming up for this. So we're going to jump on his back and have a big fight. Basically, yep. We jump up on his back. Um, we pull out our crystal of Azem. And as we do, we create a gold summoning circle and a big... And he provides the platform for us to, with which to chase Medion throughout the cosmos. <laughs> um, and we, with our merry band of adventurers, our merry band of lovely people in our Stormbuds Discord. Yeah, many of whom are out. you listening to this right yeah, now. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, I think that uh, we had a great, great time uh, fighting Ensinger in the final day. Uh, this boss, I mean, she throws more planets. She does what she did to the Scions at us. She throws planets and then she revives those planets and rewinds time and then throws them back again. <laughs> Um, and she also just summons a lot of black goop and AOEs that you have to dodge. And the, the music is a really wonderful melody or medley, sorry, of all of the final bosses up until this point. So I caught some of that in there. Yeah. yeah, it starts with the Shinryu theme because, of course, it does because <laughs> we're on him. Then it rotates between, um, yeah, Ultima, Nidhogg, um, Shinryu again? No, Ultima, Nidhogg, then um, Hades, and then... Back to, to Shinryu, yeah. Sorry, we, we just hit that pink bit, and I didn't want you to, to interfere, but it worked out okay. Okay. Yeah, yep, so that's a really cool musical touch. I probably will hear that many more times, because I'm sure I'm going to do this encounter over and over, and I want to kind of, like, pull those out of there. But yeah, v- big fight. Not the most challenging? No. Uh, Although, did I backflip right off the edge here? You was did that- backflip at the start <laughs> of it, so I was like... Okay. <laughs> I I was trying to pull off my red mage combo, but I accidentally hit the jump back instead of the jump forward button, and I just immediately catapulted off the edge. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what else I expected. After that point, it... Whoa! After that point, it went fine. <laughs> um, it went fine up until... I mean, up until we didn't, we didn't meet the, you know, the DPS. I mean, we had a lot of deaths in the That's group. That's true. Yes, we true. We didn't meet the DPS. We failed check. that check. Failed that check. So we were just as, and, you know, just as we, because we had, we had one tank limit break three, but it turns out we needed another one <laughs> to survive. Uh, did you, I don't think you did. I think I'm going to have to spell this out for you, sadly. I think you've missed the cues. Okay. At this point. But after, uh, uh, Lovely, uh, our lovely tank used the limit break three. Did you notice the voice line that was said? No, I did not hear this. It line. was a single word, and uh, maybe I'll make this a fun quiz segment for you. It was a single word that Medion uttered in disbelief that she observed once we used our limit break three. How? She knows. I'll give you a hint. She knows how. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, she could have said that, but why would she have thought that was impossible? It's one word? It's one word. Hope? Yes, by way of what? Salvation? No. Mechanically, how would we use a spell of hope in this realm to survive such an attack? What has this entire zone been about? Dynamis? Dynamis. Dynamis. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've not picked up on any of the clues. That very clears up that... 
Limit Break 3 is and always has been Dynamis. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that is what Omega, that's actually, Omega says. How are you transcending your limits? Because got it, got it, got it. Oh, is. that's actually neat. Okay, that, that's neat. To, okay, you know what? In terms of like retrospective and Nidana, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nidana mm-hmm. at the start says, surely, wink, wink, you have been known to transcend your limits, right? And we're like, <gasps> got it. Okay, no, that actually ties together very neatly. And I... I have to kind of bring that up. I mean, of course, I bring. make sure that we say that because I think in episode five, I now have to come clean to a lie I told you. What lie did, what lie did you tell me? Where I said Heidelin fills us with ether for us, <laughs> to, for us to be able to do a limit break three. And I was like... That's not, that's, I, I said it and it wasn't true. Well, I can't believe you remember that. I did not remember that. But I could, I, I had to, I'd be like, I had to explain it somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, okay. But I was like, I'm not going to, and, and senior bud Zaf called me out in discord. I was like, I'm not going to say it was dynamite. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Very early on. Be like, yes, no, you see, there's actually a dark energy out in the cosmos <laughs> called dynamis. That is a source of like that reacts to emotions. And yeah. you're going to find out about this like 70 hours later. But I thought that was, I was very excited to be able to bring that full circle. <laughs> yes. That is actually very clever and of, very neat. Anyone else out there was like, Hey, he was wrong about that. I was like, I was wrong on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't correct myself until now. <laughs> So there, there we go. Anyway, um, yes. So limit break three is dynamis, and you know, duty finder is the crystal of Azam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's fun. Anyway, um, as we were saying, as we as we run out of our own dynamis to use, we get another surge of dynamis. As the screen fades to black, there is a spark that comes from the middle, and we are shielded with a protective spell fueled by the prayers of those back on board uh they are so very desperate for our success at this point because we sent them into a an emotional frenzy by abandoning (laughs) yes everyone is very upset and desperate for (laughs) For this to work but they're determined as well um and they in a sequence that i say that they're filled with determination god yeah it saves us and we are filled with you know a stacking buff um and the the battle music changes to our theme <laughs> the maker's <laughs> ruin does. a triumphant version of the mayor the maker's ruin i did catch this yes and thus uh we become the final boss <laughs> <laughs> and as the end singer slowly kind of slowly kind of like fruitlessly thrashes about as as us our resources replenish and we are able to uh, finish finish her off with one final limit break three one final burst of dynamis um and that beat knocks the shit out of her yep knocks <laughs> her convinces her that hold out hope can triumph despair and that not all is pointless and she then i suppose as an emotional sponge absorbs the hope that we beat the shit out of her with <laughs> And uh, X turns back into Twitter. Yeah, uh huh. Like she, um, she kind of fades away. She collapses out of her big uh, bodiless angel form. She, um, she sort of like is now just back to being a little little goth bird girl. Um, she she's asks, not goth anymore, is she? Uh, she's goth at this point. She oh, okay. she turns back in a bit because like we're, we're on the black, we're on the featureless black plane in kind of a void, and she's asking us like, hey, where does ha- where lies happiness? 
um, she talks again about how she was unable to find anything for Hermes except darkness and pain. But here in this last moment, she wishes to hear our feelings and thoughts ah. and for us to be friends. Yeah. And it's not until we reach our hand out and, and touch her, yes. and give her our feelings that she, that she, uh, returns to her pr- prior bright blue form. Yes, exactly. And like, um, she absorbs our memories. She comes to terms with the arc of love and loss and being alive um, and what turns out what Hermes thought was on Ethereus all along. And quick sidebar here, because I'm going to say it now, I'm going to rant about it now so I don't later. I'm dead serious when I say that really all of this lies at the feet of Hermes, like just tremendously oh irresponsible to create a life form like this that mm-hmm. just absorbs the emotional state of anything around it. And then like not allow for the fact that there might be negative motions out there that could overwhelm such a being. Make a sentient, don't make a sentient creature that has this happen to it. It's almost cruel to like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's kind of what a baby is, but also you shouldn't launch a baby into space. Like 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 Hermes Worst Parent of the Millennium Award. Just truly sort of like this whole thing could have been avoided if he did not make this really short-sighted decision on the basis of sort of like I don't know. I don't have a handle on all of this exactly, but I think that so making Medion in the what first are place. What are you feeling now? What when you think of Hermes? Are you think? What are you, are you feeling? Frustration? Are you feeling like anger or like confusion? Well, like, like what are you like bewilderment? Like what the fuck was that? Anger and frustration at the irresponsibility of it, like especially for someone who's supposed to have like been making life forms the way that he does for so long to create a being like Medion in bout in with sentience and self-awareness and to also make it this sort of emotional sponge in this way and then launch the, it out to space the to recover way, stuff. Well, I... I uh, I, am like, still, I, cool am still, I am still an, a Hermes apologist. So I will say that there is... that It was short-sighted and when you are depressed, you're not necessarily making... Or depressed and suicidal, you're not necessarily sure. making plans. You're not necessarily making the best decisions... Anyway, but um, the the reason for her absorbing Dynamis, right, was so that she very well could traverse the stars. And he had, I mean, it, it was a hitherto undocumented and unexplored phenomenon um, out in space. And that also kind of, I don't, I don't think he should be respond like made responsible for the fact that other civilizations were dying necessarily. No, definitely like, not. There is, um, I mean, there's just this sort of grand cosmic fate that he, he kind of flew too close to, um, I guess kind of, and it, it, I think is a bit more tragic that things happened this way because really all it took was just a little bit of a tip in the balance. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't think I don't think he's a villain. I've been avoiding the word villain specifically because like I don't think he's villainous at all. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's just like I just feel he's so certain, bad for Medion. Yeah. Oh, of course we should feel bad for Medion. Like, the Medion is sort of the the actual antagonist here, um, uh, and and Hermes is sort of the tragic figure that set her on this path. And then by extension, Fandaniel being, you know ironically gifted the soul of this brilliant troubled mind over and over again whose memories of Chiron are actually more seared into his place and is like that I think 
is more impactful now in retrospect. Like, oh, yes, what Fandaniel wanted to do makes a lot more sense. And I empathize more with Fandaniel, with Amon. I empathize a lot more with Amon than I do with Hermes. The last thing that Medion wants to do is she wants to um, she sing one last song of light and hope and joy, a beacon that will shine across the stars. Um, a, a, of a dream that even dead worlds can fill with life once more. So she she does this. It's not like an actual song, I don't think, but it's like a metaphorical she's yeah. song of like um, a great golden light climbs into the sky and explodes, and on the horizon of this black void that we're in, a sun begins to rise. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Bluebird Medion rises again and literally says the line, where there's a will, there's a way. And then she flies off as a bird slash shooting star. Yes, and we are supposed to follow behind her. But before we will our way uh, away, we hear the sound echoing in the vast nothingness of the edge of the universe of Xenos Viator Galvis's feet. Yes, he, we did it. He, he held up his end of the bargain. Now we need to hold up ours. Yep. Yeah. I, I did not expect this Xenos fight to be the final fight of Endwalker. He asks us not to talk to him as a hero, but just as a person. And consider that do we really do everything for good? Do we do everything because it's right to do? I mean, aside, I fucking don't. If something's right to do it, I'm always like less motivated to do it. I have to like, has to also be fun. I, see, in real life, I'm like that. But in the game, I was I like, mean, no, fuck. I'll pay my taxes. And like, yeah, we should do so. Uh, we should subsidize things for people that need them and whatever, like social programs and stuff. But also, but for me, for me personally, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to like create art or create this podcast if it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, but look, totally. But like for me, like the part of the fantasy of my warrior of light is that they get to be sort of like this sort of like focused creature of like intent and purity He's in a way that I... He's talking to you as a warrior of light. He's talking to you as a person. Okay, okay. Gotcha. It's kind of a fourth wall break here. A little bit. Yes, but like are we, are we, do we, are we in turn playing this game just to do, see the right thing happen or is, are there adventures to be had? You know, do we burn the candle just for others, really? Or is there not some part of us that gets a thrill as well in striving ever higher fights that are harder? And that's how we become strong. Like, isn't it fun to fight? Isn't it fun to do the hunt, too? And isn't part some of it self-serving? You know, like, why are we here in the first place? Like, what was our first quest? Right? It wasn't... We weren't immediately tasked with saving the world. We were just out doing shit, and then we we ran into the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, and we were just had this fucking mission thrust upon us. That's true. Yeah, maybe true. our maybe our the soul of our ancestor was or whatever, but like that's not us. <laughs> well, either way it goes. Like you can answer this a number of ways. I basically said nah. I think you you agree with him. Um, I do. I very much agree with him. Xenos does not buy my disagreement, um, which I think is the game sort of landing on what it thinks is actually yes. So like. And when you, I mean, and when you go back into this game, are you going to go back in to do the right thing, or are you going to go back to see what it has to offer? Yeah, yes, like, like, like we were a like, little obligated. We with our MSQ podcast, <laughs> so that there I was mean, a right thing to do. Yes, exactly. And also, like, look to make the second Undertale reference in like ten minutes. Like, it's sort of a similar thing that that game tries to do with the whole like, are you really here because you care about the characters, or are you here because you want to experience the content? I never did and a genocide like, run. I couldn't bring. No, never. Back. I did not. 
either. No, fuck that. And I'm not going back into cyberpunk to the other, other endings because I know mine is right for me. Either, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like, I can't do... I, oh, but that's the, DLC, the thing. But, 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 but then, but then at, if that's the case, and sometimes you can kind of do it for a slightly more pure purpose, right? Like, where you're not just sort of, like, mindlessly pursuing the consumption of content, but you are making sort of, like, moral or at least, like, moral Yeah, but choices. Undertale makes the point as well of, like, you still know a genocide run exists and you've looked up other people doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of a sure. voyeur, mm-hmm. right? Even if you've never done it. Yes. Right? You can't completely ignore it. Exactly. Well, and and this, this is not shooting for anything quite yeah. that quite that sort of complicated. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's, it's Xenos being cheeky and being like, yeah, okay, but like, you also have fun with the fighting bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time he's been kind of friendly toward us, really, in a way that's mm-hmm. like a normal human person that he's generally incapable of being. But yeah, we engage him in a fight and um, you had everyone, you had everyone cheering you on in discord. I I don't even know if I'd really, would you call it a fight? I would call it a test of my reflexes. It was a test of your reflexes. Um, This fight, mercifully easier than the Vinod fight. uh, Yeah, because you get, I mean, you get, you're in this, you have uh, all this like, um, the dynamis gear. around you, which lets you just revive six yes. times. Six revives is good. I'm sure having better gear for this also helped. I, I, either way, I mean, like, fun fight, though. I mean, like, like voice, yeah. voice lines aside, the actual Incredible. combat mechanics are pretty good. Xenos himself having a couple of revives that he's going to pop, like, you know, when you get him down each yeah. time. Like, Only it, fair. He's, good... got, he's got a resonance. He's got the echo. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, the fight itself is good. It ends appropriately, I think, as all good fights should, with the two of us just slugging it out. Mm-hmm. We're just um like we, we beat him and then the final sort of cutscene is the two of us kind of punching back and forth pretty brutally yeah. for a good few seconds until basically we both get knocked out. It's uh pretty good. I linked in our, uh, you had you had a question as it was happening. The fist fights like what does it look like when a Lalafell does this? And I did link in our Discord uh, uh, uh Jesse Cox's perspective and he. <laughs> I need to go watch that one. I didn't see that. It's, it definitely doesn't look like those punches should be connecting, <laughs> but they certainly did their best. You got to um, assume it's, it's dynamics, right? Your emotional we, yeah. power. And we both fall upon his defeat. We both fall. He kind of laughs and sighs and he monologues about never understanding those around him being besieged by banality because he's been cursed by like with the knowledge that everything is pointless and that the final days are coming right from Mm -hmm. from fucking his the generational ancestor gift or whatever he's had so he's been really he's struggled to find meaning in life apart from the brilliant spark in those fleeting moments um and he asks of what of us the (laughs) his mirror born into this world bestowed name bid to seek out strife and adventure and we flash back to all the places we've been as uh, Zenos asks if this life was a gift or a burden. And did we find fulfillment? Similar kind of question to Vana. Slightly yeah. different. <laughs> but then a beeping teleporter out of nowhere suddenly lands near us and zaps us away, leaving him lying alone as he takes his final breath at the edge of the universe. Surround- and we awake surrounded by all of our friends who are very worried about us. Everyone is okay, and uh, we all get a credit montage of our ship returning home as people stare up into the sky. Well, they're okay, but they're also very mad at us. <laughs> yeah, they are. Quick question here before we go on. Yeah. Do we know that Xenos draws his final breath? Yes. Okay. I was going to say- they, doesn't, they don't expertly say it you know, with text, but like he stops moving, and similar to- I would say similar to how everyone else kind of gave up their bodies for one final wish- he gave up his body for us to return home. Oh, okay. 
with that with the form of the teleporter that so yeah got it got it got it okay i was gonna say because otherwise like him just kind of chilling on, on like an eternal sunrise for a while how the kind fuck of, like, do you think he'd get back okay <laughs> how, how could he get back and he just wakes up no. and walks back to thomas <laughs> no i just thought he'd like hang out in like the in, like the sunrise void for like a few hundred years until finally he was like at peace or something i don't know Anyway, you know, maybe yeah, little little. Either way, he we we won. He's there. He had he had his big final fight, and it was like as satisfying as he wanted. But also, he ultimately was defeated. Yes, and uh, he he seems to be at some measure of peace in a way that we have never seen this character be before. Yes. Um. So as we wake up and get berated and cried over by everyone. <laughs> The credits start to roll. Kryle and Tartar... Tartaru, what? Tartar tartar sauce. Kryle and Tartaru rush to meet us, and the full credits roll as everyone is cheering and celebrating our victory. At the end, we get a couple of things. We get a lot of reflections on where everyone's been and uh, a a bit of exposition from Alphano about how the Scions are disbanding in a letter to his parents. And all that's left is a nice party where we talk to everyone about what everyone's plans are next. We learn a whole bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, go play Endwalker if you want to see. Yeah, we don't need to get into it. People you are can, going places. You can places, build your own, like, and, this, yeah. or... and it's at this point we, you know, uh, are then the question is turned on us. What are our plans? And before we can really answer, um, it cuts to a small blue bird flying above us, riding off into the sunset and the Riff Walker place. Yeah. That's it. And, and then like and then the real credits roll. The no, real credits roll. You can you should probably, they're really long. You should probably skip them, but once and then you get like a, a nice montage of like all the Asians walking or the, the ancients of Endwalker walking back and we're walking forward with the Scions and the Warrior of Light and Vina exchange a knowing glance. Um, and you get at the end of the credits, you, your character turns with the sun behind them in a lens flare, and it says, Warrior of Light, your name. I missed this. You skipped twice. The, you can go back twice. to the inn and see it, though. Oh, I can't? Okay, yeah. cool. I might still grab that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you should grab that screenshot. I think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Or you'll have to do New Game Plus all over again. You know, just Sandwalker Part it's 2. It's crossed my mind. I don't know why it's Give crossed it some my mind. Give it some time. Give it some time. You've got so much to do. You've yeah, got, I have so much to do. That's true. You've got uh, all sorts of field exploration. You've got crafting you can do. You can start to make money. You can build, get a house. You can play the rest of the Final Fantasy MSQ 6.1 to 6.5. I anticipate we'll have questions about whether or not we're recapping that. Maybe someday I, in the future. Actually, I, I do want to... Okay, so um, should we talk Endwalker final thoughts first? or? Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. So, um, and then I have some questions about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I think we should. So, yeah. Did I guess question for you? Did Endwalker stick the landing, as you've so asked many times? I think so. Yes. I think I think that within the framework of the story, just trying to tell on the characters it has access to. I think it uh, much like, and this is kind of my thesis on like Final Fantasy XIV as a whole. Yes. I think that it does about as good of a job as it can, given this framework and given this kind of production style, given sort of like the way that like from what I. I have read and gathered MMOs need to get written and expansions need to get designed and stuff. There are clearly lots of sort of like limitations that force the story in certain directions or make certain things easier or harder to do. In all of that context, it is wildly impressive what they have managed to do, especially Shadowbringers and Endwalker. Yeah, Shadowbringers 
Ben Endwalker, just for context of contemporaneous, I think, uh, MMO developer storylines, were released semi alongside Battle for Azeroth and Shadowlands, which are widely regarded as World of Warcraft's lowest mm-hmm. point. So then the, the very end of Shadowbringers came the streamer surge with Asmongold and everyone and Preach and Belialar or whatever, all the World of Warcraft content creators coming over to Final Fantasy XIV just in time for Endwalker to be to a resounding triumph mm-hmm. every step of almost every step of the way second half of labyrinthos will talk but <laughs> question for you because like again i've never played an mmo before it's my this first was your one. first one yeah like are even like are even the good world of warcraft expansions like the one with the ice you, king or whatever that everyone loves yeah like, were, were those kind of like doing not stuff like on this. this level no not at all no this was this is narratively um, World of Warcraft tends to favor allowing people to experience their content zones and dungeons over forcing them to understand the context for unlocking mm-hmm. those zones and dungeons. So, like, as soon as you hit a certain level, you just, like, get a letter in the mail saying, hey, go talk. I'm, I, I am the, I am the, the leader of Orgrimmar. Go, go talk to me and you, I will give you an airship to the new zone that you've unlocked, basically. So you don't actually, like, it's not like, where you're like in this world we're like no Ishgard hasn't opened its borders to you yet (laughs) like you have to actually earn it or you have to like get to the point where you are fleeing for your life or whatever. Well, I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking also about just like a cast of characters who are constantly coming and going, yeah, but who those also exist. interact with I mean, you, Thrall, the player. Thrall and Jaina exist in World of Warcraft. Maybe you heard those Arthas. Sure, exist. Arthas I've yeah. heard of, yeah. Like those, those people exist, and they, ref- they go, champion, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything. And even in this game, they don't refer to you by name, obviously. Um, but yeah, still, uh, but, but, like, but you are. But the the twist of you are being a reincarnated soul of an ancient, right? Uh, that is like poised for adventure, and like all of these things have been set in motion to then that sort of explain the sort of divergence in character, but also the similar, the similar weirdness <laughs> of having of being who we are. I think was really really clever and really well done. MMOs do, I think, now going forward for storytelling are probably going to need to. Account for all the contrivances Mm -hmm. of writing for an MMO. I have not played New World. I know that's uh, still going on. Um, I know other things like, I mean, no other MMO has really captured, like, and I think this is part of Yoshida's uh, design philosophy of this being a Final Fantasy game first and an MMO second, um, but still also being a theme park that you can do whatever the hell you want in when you don't want to do the MSQ or when the MSQ is on hiatus for six months. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, th- that makes total sense. Yeah, so no, this was it's pretty revolutionary and I think pretty groundbreaking. Um and I, yeah. I, I straight up think like the, the the relationship with Grahatia and the Oh yeah. like the, what would appear to me to be like sort of like deliberate ambiguities in how a lot of that is presented and handled in ways that like let the audience sort of like read into things in ways that don't feel mm-hmm. like baiting so much as they just feel like creating space for people to like interpret yeah. is one of the more impressive things I've seen in a video game. Yeah, absolutely. I I I totally agree with that as well. Um and so retro, retrospectively for me, playing through New Game Plus has for the most part been uh, j- pretty joyous. If you haven't done it, I would recommend it if you're not overwhelmed with games. Uh, I mean, last year, last year it was really ch- challenging. I mean, always worthwhile, but like challenging to really play Final Fantasy fourteen in a, in a year where Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, um, and maybe I would have played Cyberpunk sooner 
had Jeez, yeah it's been yeah. a year um and just all, all sorts of other absolutely tremendous games that we've talked about on our side quests and we will still continue to talk about on our side quests um so we uh and it's been an absolute joy um taking you all along with us for the ride um what was once sort of a project for us and our friends has blossomed into a lovely community um that we that we that we treasure and we will continue to do so as we exit beyond the scope of final fantasy 14 but we will not be leaving the framework behind we have no plans at this point to like change our name uh maybe we got some we got there's something to do with like you know, how do we communicate who we are? We're going to figure that out, but we are going forward, going to sort of approach a more topic of the week style, episodic uh, framework and not so much a recap podcast. I found personally that doing recap for most of the time, this episode is really fun because it's like the end, but most of the time doing recap and like writing uh, so many notes, (laughs) so many notes. What's the word count on this one? How do you do work? I don't know. Where's the word count in, in Google Docs? Do you know tools? It's like word tools. Count. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sixty five hundred words on this. Um, so like every every expansion, doing a nano rimo, <laughs> basically, on top of then having to record, it's like a lot. So I would like to then just sort of prepare a couple of discussion points and like talk about the games we're playing, talk about and talk and play a game. We, we still want to play games with the community, just not on quite so large a scale. Yes. We'll still be we're, playing we're, big we're games, but we're going to do one episode on those games per month, and then you can join us on those. And we will announce the first one at the Heavens Awards. Um, we have it decided, for sure. It's for sure. We have it decided. And uh, so the end of February, which is going to be very close to my birthday, we have a little yeah, birthday it's present. Coming up. It's coming up. Um, we will we will talk about that game. So expect going forward things like, uh, you know, clickbait tier list episodes where we're going to be <laughs> yeah, making we can do some of those some some of the stuff probably Final Fantasy fourteen related as we go too. Like, um, we've got some fun ideas for theme tables episodes, um, which will be really cool where we kind of nominate certain aspects, um. And, uh, it, you know, like somebody will be like, oh, well, we're going to be talking about we're gonna, like some some podcasts, maybe like Get Played will do like, oh, they do the Triforce of something. So they'll do like the tri. The, one episode of my favorite of theirs is the Triforce of Cubes, where they talk about, you know, things like the companion cube or like whatever. And if they played this game, there's plenty of cubes. Oh, lots of cubes in here. <laughs> but they don't play it. But anyway, like, you know, things like that. Right. So, yeah, fun stuff. Fun a little stuff. bit lighter. We'll still t- we'll revisit Aorzia once in a while to do mm-hmm. to do some more in-depth discussions. Yeah. Oh, that actually does remind me. There's one last topic I want to spend a couple minutes on. Oh, here. yeah. There's a cutscene at the end. Oh, um, that too, maybe. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I had something else in mind. But yeah, what were you say? We, we did mention there's a hook for uh, there's a, 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 a man in white robes in Elpis looking down at Pandemonium and is stirring. And he says, Oh, this is where we are fated to meet. Yes. Don't know what that means. That maybe, maybe you should investigate that. You know, what are you, what are you I, planning on? We don't know. We don't, have, you don't have to make any decisions. Well, I, I will. I'm going to, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to look at stuff. But like the thing I wanted, now we are here. Yeah. End of Endwalker. I don't care about spoilers anymore. Not meaningfully. I just want your pitch on like why we're not doing the post patch content. Cause you've reacted with like an almost negative sentiment when we have it talked is, about doing the Endwalker post patch um, stuff. 
part of it is because I don't fuck. I just explained. I don't want to do recap content, especially I don't want to do recap content and content. I don't particularly, I'm not particularly passionate about this is a fun, it's a fun filler arc. Okay. We can talk about it as we go through. And it's maybe a fun filler arc, but it's just like, it's, insub- it's insubstantial. It doesn't feel I would, like, I think we could talk. I think we could cover it in a 20 minute segment of one episode. Okay. I don't think I want to spend four, ep- two months talking about the, the arc, which is not bad. There's really cool characters, really cool ideas. Um, and it's, it's a nice thing, but, um, going forward. No, we will be, I would, I want to also, I think I will feel a lot better if I set both of us free. Yes. No, I want I'm to fine know, with that. I want to I know just, what you're interested in, and I will talk about it with you when you bring it to the table for our Final Fantasy XIV episodes. Yes, I am fine with that. I've just been curious this whole time where the apathy towards the post-patch stuff came from. It is less, it just, it is, it's just because I want to do other things that are better than that. Okay. There's no. there's too much to catch up and there's some, one thing I'm going to cut it's the past I think Endwalker after release has been regarded as pretty light on enjoyable, meaningful, long-form content. People seem frustrated. Yeah, it's I don't completely disagree with it. I haven't touched things like Island Sanctuary. I don't particularly care about that lifestyle content as much. I do have house a house for myself which is fun. Because it's like a place to put all the MSQ rewards where things, but like we also have our our FC cottage for it. Um, so it's not, the, I don't know. Um, the, yeah, there's just, there's just too much to go back and review and revisit that is more fun than I want to do in kind of a looser context than our, than our essays, than our podcast essays. Good enough for me. Um, but we will for, I mean, for Dawn Trail, we're also not going to be doing... I'm not doing recap content. I'm going to be playing through Dawn Trail in a weekend. Like, I'm going to get through it. I'm not fucking taking notes. I might... I'm. We might do, like, an unintentional replication of the experience a little bit because I'm probably going to pace out Dawn Trail because I have found the pace of playing stuff for this podcast actually to be really rewarding. Okay. I have enjoyed spending, like, months every, on every expansion. That's cool. You can do that. We'll we'll talk about a little bit, little by little, then or whatever. I don't know. We're not. I'm not going to set any hard, faster rules for Dawn Trail. We'll probably, figure it out. Yeah, we're probably going to do something fun this summer. We don't even know when it's coming out, but yes, um, we will surely be talking about video games for the most part. We might or things about video games. Maybe we'll talk about the fucking cyberpunk show. Which God, I have to watch the cyberpunk show now. People say it's real good. Oh, how is that going to tear my heart out? Oh boy, I'm I'm fully cyberpunk pilled. I just can't take. I'm just hungover at this point. <laughs> moving moving forward, we're really excited to have you uh, join us. Um, we absolutely do not. I don't want to sully this episode with a damn ad. <laughs> no ad reads this. No time. capitalism. Um, we made this one for the joy of it. But I will um, remind you to tune in to my Twitch. Uh, twitch.tv slash Jerome House on the 27th of February, or January, nope, fe- January. Take January. 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 Um, at 2 p.m. CST for the first annual Heavens Awards. They will be at the FC Estate. The details will be in uh, on our on, on Twitch in our, in our command, in the command I have there, and also in our Discord. You can follow all our socials. Um, we may post, may post a VOD of we've recorded Endwalker, we mentioned it. We might post that if there's enough interest or demand from you guys to see that VOD. Let us know via the you know our email or other social media or Discord. 
uh, to post it. Um, the I don't know. We'll see. It was a, it was a it was a fun time, but I feel like maybe I'm just being self conscious about how I'm talking over other things and like reacting in ways. Um, that I can't curate as well as I can if, for a podcast. People can watch if they want to watch and they can not watch if they don't. I, uh, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Well, um, is there anything else you want to say about Final Fantasy fourteen, A Realm Reborn through Endwalker before we do our finale recap sign-off? Um, I just got to say, you know, uh, having spent all this time with these people, having, you know, made these bonds and accompanied them to the ends of space and back, Jerome, I would die for the twins. And the twins would die for us. Demonstrated that fact. Well, with that said, until next time, born from buds, storm of buds, we've been the storm buds, baby. Good night forever.